Mandy France here, welcoming you to my podcast, Find Your Beautiful, Life Through the Eyes of a Christian Disabled Woman. I considered starting off by saying happy one year quarantine anniversary, but this year hasn't been happy, and this hasn't been something to celebrate. Instead, I'll say I'm glad those of you listening are survivors. I'm grateful to have made it through to this point. I'm excited to share this episode at this time because the interview touches on many crucial topics, some that I've discussed from my own point of view in previous episodes. Today, you'll hear from a Black disabled pastor about what his experience in American society is like. Let's jump right in. Thank you so much for being willing to come on to my podcast and share about yourself. I'm really excited for my listeners to learn more about you and just learn more about disabled leadership in the church in general. So if you can introduce yourself and just let us know a little bit about you. Sure. Thanks again, Manny, for having me on. I I definitely enjoy your, your show. It's a great ministry, a great need amongst the disabled community and church community just to get that perspective. So definitely glad to be on the show uh, with you. My name is Curtis Williams Jr. I am 38 years old from Detroit, Michigan uh, originally, and I'm a a third generation preacher, uh, Baptist uh, church is where I was ordained originally. Been about uh, since 2009, I started ministry, married almost nine years to my wife Chantel, and I was born with orthopedic pulses. So I spent a lot of time in the hospitals as a kid with the therapy and all that good stuff, the stretching and all that. Uh, so I primarily get around my power chair and I'm currently a counseling student in a grad school, trying to get a master's degree in professional counseling and got a couple more semesters left. That's awesome. Thank you. And I feel like a lot of people, especially non-disabled people, don't really appreciate what it's like to find someone else who has the same disability as you, how exciting that can really be. With arthrograde poses being considered a rare disability, I always get excited when there's someone else in the space. <laughs> so when yeah. I found out you had arthrogryposis, I was like, yeah, someone else who gets it. <laughs> but I also love that when I talk about disability on this podcast, I often talk about how the same disability or the same diagnosis can look very different um, across people. So it's really a right. spectrum. And the way arthrogryposis affects me is different from how it affects you. So I I just love that we can kind of delve into that a little bit today. But before we get into the disability specific topic, I wanted to know what led you to becoming a pastor? Yeah, definitely. Certainly with my dad, lost my dad last year in April, actually from COVID. So I'm sorry um, to hear that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, But he he was uh, definitely somebody I wanted to be just like and still do be pastor, was a preacher, and uncles that were preachers too, and then my grandfather was a pastor as well. So, yeah, I really wanted to be like them. Uh, they were great, great examples of uh, godly men and, you know, took care of the family, and my granddad was always excited about me, you know, always had me in front of the church, read scripture, and it was just a, a great kind of a strength for me, I think, dealing with a disability. This was just an awesome way to know the Lord Jesus Christ and introduce me to Christ at a young age. So it was kind of just on my heart for really most of my life to 
serve the Lord in that way and, and develop a conviction for his word, a love for his word and a love for the, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I think just over time in that environment, I certainly grew to appreciate that strength. I was able to trust God, be okay, so to speak, with this disability. So that was a big part of it. There's a lot of things that I'm still learning about the pastorate and and, and that work. And, and I'm still just looking to God to, uh, you know, keep showing me how he wants to use that ministry uh, in my life with my disability and, and uh, my situation at home. But yeah, it's always something I think the Lord put on my heart. And I f it felt great to say, hey, I could be useful to God and to the world, even though I'm disabled because of this conviction and desire. You love the fact that you have this twofold calling where you're following in mm -hmm. your father's footsteps and your grandfather's so family footsteps, but also... Yeah. I think it's just so important for people to know that you had that personal calling too, where it wasn't just trying to follow in your family's footsteps, but also the fact that you had this personal or have this personal relationship with God and felt led and called to this role independent of your family. So that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. It, uh, you know, cause I, that was always kind of seen as an inspiration um, in my family, which is, which is nice, but it, just knowing that I was much more than, than an inspiration um, and then it wasn't as easy as it looked to maybe others who saw me try to trust God and, and work hard and have this disability, but to, uh, to know that, you know, um, I, I really do have to um, have my own kind of kind of strength there to, to deal with what was happening with me. Yeah, you mentioned that you have a disability and you're mm -hmm. a pastor. So I'd love to know, how does arthrogryposis affect your daily life? Yeah, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in, affected in all, uh, you know, four limbs, upper and lower extremities um, with, with AMC. Um, pretty much I've had the same contraction. My doctor always tells me in my, my wrist and my knees and that kind of thing. I was born with a club feet, which is common with our condition. And uh, so at about two months old, they did the surgery to correct the club feet. Um, so kind of have the, the fused uh, situation there which does allow me to kind of bear weight on my feet, but um, not, you know, at some point it can be a lot, you know, in terms of standing or something like that, uh, where there's pain involved in that. It definitely limits my range of motion and, and, and muscle tone with feeding myself or brushing my teeth or things like that. I tend to like leaning to the table or the sink and kind of using a, like the tricep muscle. We don't tend to have the ability to bend our elbow. Just leaning into the table or leaning into sinks or whatever, I'm able to shave my beard or, or things like that in a limited manner. So I, I do need assistance with, with uh, you know, getting dressed and, and showering and things like that, getting out, of, getting out of the house. I don't have an accessible vehicle uh, just yet. Uh, so life helps a lot with those kinds of things. So yeah, you know, I, I function, but certainly with, with um, adaptations and, and with great effort, just have to do things a, a bit differently. So yeah, it definitely affects mobility and getting around, I get around in my home, primarily using like an office stool so scoot around in that and kind of throw my arms and up on stuff, sinks and uh, tables and things like that, or to table my desk to write. Or yeah, I, I chuckle at that only because I, <laughs> I, you know, to others that sounds like probably so weird, but I can literally it's the same thing I do, so I, I understand that so much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah, definitely. So I want to talk a little bit about the intersection of disability and church leadership and. With you being a leader of a church, how do you feel that the church can better prepare and equip themselves for disabled leadership? Great question. I think the, the first thing is really to just allow ourselves to be educated uh, by it, you know, um, 
you know, for me, uh, I, I did some church planting and uh, currently I'm not pastoring a church, but I did some church planting. I was over that church for a short time and on some other staffs and those around me understood the, to some degree, the challenges and those kind of things. They knew me, but um, yeah, we definitely got to do a lot better, I think, in a church of, of, uh, of, of understanding various disabilities. Um, I think we kind of talked, uh, you know, in the past, just in terms of interpreting scripture, you know, uh, in, in a better way where we understand that God, I mean, if he's the one that's at work in us, both to will and to work according to his good pleasure, um, he's the one doing it, whether we're disabled or not disabled, you know, um, and no matter what our abilities are, you know, God desires to use all of us in various ways. I think really getting, getting people like yourself as an advocate in front of the church and, and just more, even our disabled church members, um, just really allowing ourselves to be educated um, about these kinds of things, have, have those conversations really, um, I think, uh, to, to kind of open those things up. And then, because I think the individual, the disabled individual is the one that, uh, you know, the church has to understand, um, you know, what, what those needs are. You know, when I wanted to sing in the choir as a kid, my granddad uh, had them tear down the steps to the pulpit, you know, to the choir stand. Wow. Um, put a ramp up and so he's doing that for his grandson you know and it was awesome but i so things like that has to has to be more of understanding i think and openness from from uh, so many of us in leadership and in the church and at large to understand what those what those needs might be i really love that and i love that story because the way you said he's doing it for his grandson but when i think about church and people always refer to church family or your church home and this sure. idea that you know everyone who's in the church, especially church leadership, should be willing to knock down pews and build ramps and all of that because everyone in the church is family under Christ. And so I love that. And I had a very similar experience in a church that I was going to where it wasn't family that did that, but I wanted to be a part of the worship team, but either they were kind of higher than me because they were up on the, on the stage or the altar and I would be, you know, kind of down on ground level or yeah. they would all have to be on ground level and it was hard to see, you know, we were not up on the stage. So when yeah. they decided to do renovations, they actually did put in a ramp. And I remember just going in one day, I didn't even know that it was going to happen. I just went in one day and they were yeah. like, look, like we did this for you. <laughs> um, and I was like in tears. It was such an amazing oh, experience. Really? And I have since left that church, but one of the most powerful yeah. things I think that came out of that besides my own personal fulfillment of feeling loved and respected and seen by my church yeah. was that I heard stories that since then, other people and not just people in wheelchairs but you know people who just hmm. couldn't access the steps whether it was because of age or surgery or various reasons okay. were able to go up to the altar and you know be up there <laughs> because of wow. that ramp and wow. that for me was just so powerful to realize you know yes it may have been done for me but it really paved the way for other people yeah. and I imagine you know that's probably what happened with you as well where it was done for you but it really paved the way and made it accessible for everyone yeah, yeah. no absolutely uh you know that, that's that's such a great um I mean just really great to even hear you um share your experience because just to have that normalized and to know someone else having the same experience yeah it, it's you know we're often like this pioneer with uh -huh. it and it, it's so interesting that that you know uh, like you said other individuals, whether not speaking up or, or just not being a conversation about it, happen to need some of those accommodations too. And, and, and it just, it shows how needed, you know, the conversation is 
to have that. But yeah, I, I think that's just a great blessing to, you know, when the pioneer things in that regard, that, you know, ends yeah. up being- and I have to say this, like I, I've kind of been holding back on saying it because I, I don't want it to sound like cocky or like I'm taking credit, but I just feel really led by the spirit to say that it's such an interesting concept to think that like we as the disabled people could be opening up the physical way and the barriers that people may experience be experiencing to access God, like people who feel like they yeah. can't get up to the altar or can't, you know, reach the pastor for prayer or whatever, having that access because someone like us either voiced the need or just made the need more obvious opens the way for other people to be ministered to in deeper and more meaningful ways, which gives them just a greater experience with God. So just amazing. Definitely. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I know God, he definitely uses that. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. So one of the neat things is you really intersect a lot of different things, you know, church and disability, (laughs) but also being a a black man um, in America. So you kind of have all these different intersections with everything that's been going on, especially with the heightened awareness of racial issues in our society. I'd love to know what is your experience being a black disabled man in America today? Like you said, there's so much happening now, the racial tension and political tension in the world right now. My experience has definitely been evolving. It's uh, currently can just continue to change. And, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm continuing to, to look at my experiences, maybe interpret them a little differently today. But largely, I think my upbringing was somewhat sheltered. My parents wanted to have us in some better neighborhoods and, and things, and they were in. And, um, though our church was on Detroit each side, they, you know, I, I had some sheltering there where they kind of wanted to keep us from some experiences. But as I got older, I remember being uh, with my brother, just visiting um, the old neighborhood where my grandparents uh, lived and uncles and aunts lived. And uh, we were just in my brother's sports car in the old neighborhood in Detroit. And we were getting pulled over. I probably was like almost college age, late nineties, uh, early 2000s was the time, but I, I was in college and uh, I was getting pulled over. And we uh, were asked to get out of the car and they, they asked me to get out of the car. I didn't want to refuse that, uh, you know, and so I said, well, I am disabled, but I tried to stand up and I'm able to kind of stand up or whatever. My brother, he was really freaking out, but I, I, I was happy that he was able to kind of be calm and, and it not escalate to something right. uh, beyond that because, you know, I, we, we don't look disabled if we're just in the car. You, you, don't, you don't know that. So experiences like that, especially if I'm, if I'm not in my wheelchair, if my brother carried me to a barbershop or something like that. Um, as he often did when I was younger, um, you know, you don't know that. And so experiences like that were definitely things that we experienced at different times. And then I kind of got older being around some other churches and other people in the area I live in now with like my spouses, she's uh, Puerto Rican and black and she looks white to many people. So I, I get those looks and those things where you combine like uh, public affection, like I'm holding her hand and to where like being disabled and holding my wife's hand or something like that is seen a certain negative way. And then also uh, if they think that she's white, that's also part of that. Or if we're out somewhere and the looks we get to say as we get in comments. So I've tried to really look at trusting God in that situation, but also trying to advocate for people um, that like myself, others that I see are going through that kind of dual kind of a situation like that. So yeah, definitely is, is something that I've been really prayerful about and really trying to help people really be honest about our, I think our country and, and 
what we need and, and what our issues are. Well, first, let me just say that I'm so sorry that you have had to experience those things because while I can definitely empathize and sympathize from the disability perspective, I am Puerto Rican, but I present white. I'm very fair skinned. And so in a lot of ways, I benefit from white privilege. And so I haven't had to have those kinds of racial experiences that you've had. So I just want to apologize that you've had to go through that because no one should have to experience that. But I also really resonate with what you said about when you're in a car or even in today's world on Zoom, when you're just looking Mm -hmm. from the shoulders up, you can't tell that we have disabilities. And I literally just said that last week in my um, episode about being fatherless, how my paternal grandmother, one of the last things that I remember her saying to my mom was, you know, she came down to see me and I was in a car and she told my mom, you know, looking at her through the car window, I didn't even know she was disabled. And I had said that I remember that she wanted it to be like a compliment. I think she meant it as a compliment, but it just never sat well with me, you know? (laughs) So I I really resonate with that. Yeah, I I, I can can understand that. I I can, you know, I mean, I I think even from social media now, I I think if I didn't think about these comments the way I do now, I just was always be strong and ignore this and that. And I, I realized how much I needed to process more things. But yeah, I mean, the comments of you look so normal or you look this way or that yeah. way to be disabled or you know if it's handsome or pretty or whatever these things and oh my like, goodness you're like twinning yeah. with me right now really I mean <laughs> I always said that you know when people would compliment me and I and I never am sure if this is just like an insecurity on my part or if this mm-hmm. is really how it is like just kind of a microaggression but I've always right. said when people on the street feel the need to be like oh you're so pretty I feel like Mm -hmm. there's kind of this dot, 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 you know, like, I feel like it's always this, you're so pretty to be in a wheelchair or you're so pretty for being disabled. So I totally, totally resonate with what you're saying. Yeah. I think it's an energy that like we, we feel, I mean, I don't think it's us trying to maybe be sensitive or insecure, but I I think it's at times coming from certain people, a certain energy. I remember like at our, you know, church we've been to that maybe more predominantly, uh, uh, white. Just hearing from certain people that will talk about me being, you know, educated or, or you know, um, or a certain thing. And, and, and I, I know it's a compliment. I do appreciate it, but sometimes the energy is just kind of like, you know, do you mean in refer- Do you mean uh, as opposed to other uh, black people, or as, or as opposed right. to what you would think about someone being a minority and being disabled, and how that it must be so tough, and yet you've overcome. So yeah, I, I think there's an energy there sometimes that that we just feel and pick up on, and, and I, I don't sure. understand that. Yeah. For sure. My last request of you, as we're wrapping up, <laughs> you know, you've shared a lot of wisdom already, but we have a lot of people who are either disabled or really wanting to understand the disability experience and are on their own journey of trying to be independent or trying to be the best disabled person they can be or trying to be the best ally to the disability community that they can be. So I would just love for you to leave us with some words of wisdom for people who are trying to find their beautiful. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely try. Uh, I, I really love that slogan of yours, you know, find your beautiful, because I think it, it, it is really important. And for me, it's been really powerful to always, and I think it, it 
interpret myself or, or look at myself through the eyes of, of God, of Christ, try not to look at myself through the eyes of society. But I was telling a group of young people the other day, actually, for it was a training for people who were uh, disabled with employment. And um, I was talking about the importance of really knowing what you can do or focusing on what you can do, because that's always been something that I've tried to do in my own life is just focus on what I can do. Secondly, to be, to stay excited about what you can do. Things I think is really important to do that um, and to know that like what we can do, what we're able to do, it comes from God. Uh, God is working in us, but he's the one that's allowing us to do anything at all. And so I, I always try to stay excited about what I can do because it's, it's like the very hand of God doing it through me, no matter how small it was, if it was me figuring out something uh, and for my own independence or whatever it was, um, you know, I, I like to lift weights. And so if, if there's a goal of a certain amount of weight or this or that, I just try to stay excited about what I can do because to me, that's a reflection of, uh, you know, God's image. We're all creating his image and we're all beautiful because he made us uh, just period. And so I, I, I try to, I think staying excited about the, those abilities are, are really important and can help a person, uh, I think, uh, find I love beautiful that. Self. I love that you're saying not just recognizing what you're able to do, but being excited about what you're able to do and recognizing yeah. that those abilities are from God. So doing what you yeah. can for him and with the yeah. greatest passion that you can, I think is amazing. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, thank Absolutely. you so much. I really appreciate you sharing and your transparency um, and just being willing yeah. to um, share with me and my listeners your story and your experiences and definitely hope that we can stay in touch. I think we have a lot more to even connect on in the future. So we yeah, definitely love to have you on a future episode. Definitely. Absolutely. I appreciate you for having me on. Thank you so much. And, and you're very welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> For those of you who go to church, I'd love to know if you feel your church is ready for disabled leadership. Download the free Anchor app and leave me a voice message with your thoughts and questions. If you want to connect with me live, follow me on my Facebook business page at Mandybox Beauty. You'll see my Friday fireside chat at 9 p.m. Eastern. If you find value in my podcast and story, please leave a review on my website at mandyboxbeauty.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram at mandyboxbeauty. Lessons we can't forget. That's what I'll be talking about next week. Till next time, beauties.